Shut up and sit down. Good evening, everyone. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's gonna be kind of bitchy in here today. What I would tonight, what I would say to those of you who um could be more sensitive, that we probably will discuss topics that might be difficult to um listen to. So take care of yourself. Um, and take care of your emotional health first. And if you have to leave, um, no hard feelings whatsoever. Uh, just It'll be fine. I won't be upset. Um, because we made a list. Well, I made a list, and then there was some supplement. There was some supplementing to the list. Can you guys hear me? I hope so. I see Craig. Craig is recording. Okay, great. <clears throat> Later on, um, probably next week, I would like to um do some testing on um recording. More than just two individuals in the chat. So that would be cool. But also uh, it would be really beneficial to me to make sure. For some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, Craig keeps picking up uh, people's. Uh, like their lines. Like I had five different. I had five additional lines during the last podcast. Uh, besides me and Jilly. And although they were blank. They still took up a lot of room in the download. It took me forever to delete them. So I don't know why that's going on or why that's happening. But oddly enough, they were all labeled. I'm the only one that never gets labeled in the in the Craig. Craig doesn't want to give me a label. I even made friends with Craig. So I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. Craig doesn't like me. It's really upsetting. Um, no, it was not yours, Sin. You were, you were very good during the last podcast. You, you were not one of the ones. Um, uh, Lady Holder was, though. I had a blank channel for Lady Holder. <laughs> and I also had, like, a couple other people that I won't call out. But she's my best friend, so I can call her out. <laughs> Um, let me move a little so I can, there we go. Okay. So, um, but, uh, we're gonna, Jillian and I are gonna talk about, we've been talking this whole week as we've been watching, as this whole week, but, you know, just as uh, Quantum Bang opened, um, fandom trends and fandom behavior and things that we're seeing, um, and, and behavior that kind of, like, breeds in our in our in our environment and and fandom is 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 a unique environment and there are lots of different um trends and issues and all kinds of things that happen in fandom that are kind of unique and kind of weird and uh, so we're going to talk about some of them tonight i have a list we may or may not get through the whole list we'll see how it goes i see jilly is um in the room, but she's not 
her mic's not active, so. Yeah, I was keeping myself muted just, just, just for scuzz, you know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but, um, well, the first topic is actually, uh, my irritation with it is twofold. Um, and the first top topic is underage Chan and adults having relationships with with children um, in um, in fan fiction. And the reason it's twofold is one that is disgusting. Okay, off the off the top of it, it's just disgusting. Two, there is this certain element in fandom that tries to tell you that you're required to accept it. It doesn't yeah. matter that it's that it's okay that your kink is not my that's not a kink. It's a crime. Let's, let's and a psychological it. disorder. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's not a kink. It's a crime. So let's just get that. But I would not. I can't even tell you how many times I've been told that my position on Chan is not fair because it doesn't hurt anybody. Well, that's not true. It might be written about fictional characters, but Chan is utilized by pedophilia, pedoph um, pedophiles to get off. And when that stops being enough, they're going to pick up a victim. So all you're doing is feeding a beast. Yeah, so just don't. It's just it's just really appalling. Um and the more and the more under honestly the more underage it is the more it is um feeding into someone's pathology and i get that there's you know that that was there's there's this all or nothing mentality about setting limits where people go oh if we set any limits we're going to have to set all limits which is ridiculous you know um it doesn't have to Super be an ridiculous. all or nothing I mean, just because it's like they're saying, well, you know, we, we got tired of being told that you couldn't have this or that or this pairing or that pairing. And I can I get it. I can understand it even with with um, there's some things I find detestable that I can understand why there's a place in the creative community to work to, to write about those things. Um, and as much as I do not like RPF, I understand that there's a place for that. And you know that that's if somebody else wants to host it and deal with the potential legal burden, that's that's fine. But when it comes to it's like but it's, the idea that we can't say no to anything is just ridiculous. You know, that if that if we draw the line anywhere, that it's going to be a uh, it's going to be the first step on the road to discriminating against everything or censoring all content. And that's just ridiculous. It's just an absurd stance to take. Now, there is there are elements in fandom that um, really, really do meet the burden of the definition of pedophilia. But then there is also another element of ebophiles who um, really who are really fascinated with. Um, very young teenage girls, especially Emma Watson. Um, and I encounter this a lot in the Harry Potter fandom where she is sexualized, um, 13, 14 years old, and she's treated in the thick like an adult. And often she ends up paired with someone horrific. She's yeah. 14 or 15 years old and she's being paired with Snape or Malfoy. And I do mean Lucius Malfoy, not Draco. Um, or, you know, or even Bill Weasley is too old, really, honestly. 
Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Yeah, especially unless she's like twenty five and they're you know getting together late in life. But if she's sixteen, I think I think Bill's pushing it. But the but the amount of times I have actually been wrecked, um, because I don't read Snary. I will not. I do not read Harry Potter and Snape together. It's abusive and disgusting. I'm not going to read it. Um, and it gets wrecked to me a lot. And the other one that gets wrecked to me a lot is Hermione and Snape. Ew. I just uh, shove it in your cake hole. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want it. I don't want it. And so I have a real problem with underage. I have a real problem with Chan. I think it's disgusting and people who read it are disgusting and people who write it are worse. Because you're feeding a beast. A disgusting child raping beast. And I I don't I, I, I mean, I had somebody try to rationalize this to me about the the you know the, the creative value in the story and that she didn't personally find it um arousing or da 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 da. And I just Whatever. kinda went but Fine. Okay. So, so fine. You're telling me you're not a pedophile. Okay. I hear, I hear what you're trying to say without actually outright saying it, but you are, your, 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 your material is appealing to pedophiles. So do you take no responsibility for that? My knickers of judgment are up. Uh, uh, they're up so high. They're supporting my tits. The serious wedgie. I've gone to a full on corset. Knickers of judgment situation over here. Just can't. I don't write underage things. Underage being that one's an adult and one's a child. No, I don't. And I never have. The youngest um, I've ever... Probably Harry Potter and the Birth of the Serpent King. And Harry and Draco are 15 going on 16. And they just rub off together. Like two 15, 16 year old boys would do. That's not underage in this context. Yes, they are under the age of consent for America, and I'm not sure what it is in Britain. 15? Actually, they're actually they're well, it's 16 in the UK, but there it's most of the US is 16. Um, state like states I live that I've always lived in are the outliers at 18. But most of the majority of the states in the US, the age of consent is 16. Unless you have parental consent and then you can get married at 14. Just saying. Depends on the state. Yeah, it depends yeah. on the state. <laughs> it depends on the state. But I have never written a child, a, an adult trying to have any kind of sexual contact with a child. Ever. No, no, ew. Why would anybody think you had? Oh, God, Margaret, really? 10? <sighs> No, we don't want to get it. There's some, there's some, if you want to read Age of Consent, there's a Wikipedia page that, that goes through how horrifying it is in some places. Um, but let's not, let's not totally freak ourselves out with the realities of, of. I mean, I am so opposed to it that I can't even write an adult Harry Potter traveling back in time by himself because that means that, not, that his peers won't be. I, I can't. So I'll have to have him travel back with his romantic partner so that he'll have someone on his level. I've never I've never um read the uh uh Game of Thrones because it's rapey and I don't read that. That's also why I haven't read Outlander. Yeah, I don't have any interest in reading Game of Thrones. I mean I read I saw the first couple episodes and I was like, whoa, no, this is past my limit. 
But, but I am curious as to what you thought I wrote that was underage between an adult and a child. I mean, just curious. But, um, because I don't... Now I'm not looking, thinking about all my fic and thinking if I've written something inappropriate. And I, I really do think that the bitches would have let me know about myself <laughs> if I'd have written something that was... I'm right. <laughs> I'm going to call for help. Yeah, the, yeah. And they're 15, 16. Um, Hermione is 17 and um, Harry Potter and a soulmate bond. Harry is 16. Both of age of consent. Um, they're 16, 17-ish in Darkly Loyal. Although I think Harry's the youngest in that. And he turns 16 during their marriage. Like, like during the summer of their marriage. I don't, you know, I don't, it really depends. I wouldn't want to watch two 14-year-olds or read about two 14-year-olds having sex. But 16, 17, 18, not, I mean, that's, that's fine. But underage for me is under the age of consent. And 13 years old is not old enough to consent to anything, really. <laughs> I remember reading a Harry Potter fic once where um, they, they time-traveled and they, they time-traveled back to third year. And I had to close it because um, they made reference to finding some place to have sex. And I'm like, dudes, you're in a 13-year-old body. <laughs> you can't be doing that. <laughs> well... I mean, I, I, on the one hand, I can see that um, there you do wind up in a weird situation when you've got someone who's certainly old enough to want to have sex mentally. Right. But fit. But the thing is, what, what the thing I think the author failed to think about is: are they really sexually aroused by their thirteen-year-old selves? Really? I wouldn't be. I wouldn't either. I mean, that's just, it'd be kind of like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I still want to have sex like mentally in my head, but you look like a child and I'm not banging you. I don't care how old you are in there. You know, I mean, that's, that would be, that would be the issue for, for me. Um, I mean, I have one time travel story. It's not, ex not exactly time travel. Um, and it's kind of like, I, I and I wasn't ever, I, I actually never quite decided how I was going to handle the um, age issue, because in this one story, um, Harry and Draco are, um, they they grow up to like in their mid-20s, but they mm -hmm. travel back to the age of 14. They were basically replaced their 14-year-old selves. But the thing is, is that in order to appear, they're actually 24 physically and 24 mentally. But they wear glamours to make themselves look 14. So if they want to get it on, they remove, they lose the glamours and it's their 24-year-old selves. But then I'm like sitting there scratching my head going, but legally, according to the Wizarding World, they're still 14. So I don't really know how to, to do with that. <laughs> but, you know. But I will say this. In fandom, when you see something labeled underage, nine times out of ten, they're not talking about two teenagers. No, most of the time they're not. They're talking about an adult with a teenager. And most of the time a very young teenager. Or child. Or child. Uh, yeah, there, there's there's plenty that's... I mean, you know, you're I, lucky if they're in puberty. <laughs> yeah. So, 
you know, when you encounter that warning or that tag on on a fan pick, tread carefully because you might be stumbling into something I stumbled into by quite accident because I was reading um, Teen Wolf and it was listed underage. And when you see Teen Wolf and underage, what's the first thing you think? Oh, here's a 17 year old Styles about to climb into Derek's lap, right? Right. That's what I would think. Styles was nine. And Derek was an adult. Ew. I oh, had to turn. I noped out of that fix so hard. I turned my computer off. I just, I just went, oh, whoa. <laughs> I turned but, my computer that, off. And that doesn't even count the um, nine-year-old Styles with his dad stuff that is quite prevalent. in. That so that's what too. I learned. That the underage tag meant something more than I thought it did. Which is why I included it in the list here with the Chan and the pedophilia and the rape, um, the child rape, because that's what it, it, it nine times out of ten is. It's not two teenagers getting it on in what is a reasonable situation, because you know teenagers have sex. That's reasonable. See, the thing is, I don't know how I would even if I were on Ao3, I don't know how I would tag because underage is a mandatory archive warning, and I'm really all in for using mandatory archive warning. Um. And, but the thing is, like, if I had a 17 and a 19 or a 17 and a 20 year old or something having sex, underage implies something different than what I think is going on there. And right. underage, now see, age of consent, uh, under, underage to me means under the age of consent, not, not under the age of being an adult. Because the age of consent may be 16, but legally in this country, you're still not an adult, so you're 18. Um, because you can't enter into contractual obligations, you can't go to the military, you can't vote. None of that stuff can happen until you're 18. So you're not actually an adult until you're 18, even if the age of consent is 16 in most states. 17 and one or two, and then there's a few that are 18. Um, but so when it says underage, the way I read that is under the age of consent, which to me means at, at a global level, most of the world, the age of consent is 16. So I don't necessarily think something needs to be tagged for a 16 as being underage, but I don't know how people interpret that, right? What does underage mean to them? On the other hand, I really would want to know if we're talking about a 16-year-old and a 30-year-old. Because to me, that's very different than a 16-year-old and a 20-year-old. Or even, you know, a 16-year-old and a 17-year-old. Although the other, the other side of it is a 16 and a 14-year-old is a no. No. <laughs> The 14-year-old isn't mature enough to give consent. And that's what it boils down to. It boils down to consent. And some people get off on writing fix where consent is abused as a theme. Which leads me into my next hate on for fandom, and that would be slave fic. If there is anything more aberrant in the human condition and slavery. It's, it's not hot. It's not sexy to think about owning another person legally. We're not talking about BDSM and, and play and sex play. We're talking about outright slavery. It's disgusting. And seeing it fetishized and turned into some some oh god sentinel fandom fuck you <sighs> I, just, I, I can't 
I just... Again, it boils down to consent. Because these stories in fandom about slavery, it usually ends up being about, um, um, well, there'll be rape, there'll be forced birth, um, the ABO stuff can play, can play. The, the whole sentinel trope with the slavery was just obscene. Oh my god. I mean, they're not, I mean, it's not like somebody's writing in a, sto- in a story or a fandom where slavery was part of the canon or it was part of history. Like and Sparta? Then it, was Spartan? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, but, but, the, but the thing is, why would you, but even there, so let's say you're setting it and you're, you're writing in a fandom where that's part of the historical context or it was part of the, the canon of the show, movie, TV, series, whatever. Why would you need to, to me, you, you don't need to add sex on top of that, right? So it's like two slaves having sex, whatever. But once once you have the owner having sex with their slave, well, that's not I sex just rape. Right, it is. Because there's no way. It, it's it's just, and but the thing is, that's what you see. If people talk about, oh, well, but this is contextually right for the historical period or for the fandom or whatever. I'm like, okay. But then you have the person who's doing the owning having the sex with the person that they own. And then they start giving all this rationalization about how they're a good owner and they would never force them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yep. You are just, you don't, no. You're just rationalizing Someone away something ugly. Someone who is a slave cannot give consent to their owner for anything. The inequity in that relationship has no end. It's just gross. So we don't, you know, and the the thing is people that there, there are time and there even, there are even fandoms where I don't, I see that it's pretty, would be pretty easy to take the slavery aspect out and people choose to just leave it in and not just leave it in, but to put, do something really ugly with it. So it's sort of like, and, and then you say, well, but you know, this is the way the fandom was that I just, I just did, you know, I just worked with what I had. You could have done, you could have made different choices. So, you know, I'm not interested in hearing about it. <laughs> I I mean, if I was ever found something interesting and to wanted to write in a fandom where there was a slave aspect, I would find a way to take that slavery aspect out. That's just what I would do. I'm just saying. It would yeah. it would go. It's just it's so it's uh it's it's just and again it, it boils down to agency and consent and the lack thereof. Dodgy's a great word for it, Claire. It's just it's and again it's fetish it's it's fetishizing um the lack of consent. Yeah. It's the same thing with rape fic, right? It's people who um really do and they t- and the thing is, there are stories that I would say, in a way, to me, deal in a very powerful way with the subject matter, like rape recovery. Da, 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 da. To me, there's not any. To me, there's no no benefit in ever putting graphic rape on screen. There's no benefit to that, right? But whatever. Well, the only reason an author does it is to be um, shocking and titillating, and um, that's disgusting. Right. So, I mean, if you're doing it for the shock value, why? You know, that's just, but if, if you're doing it to titillate, that's really horrible. But the thing is, is like, even if they're not writing it in a neurotic fashion, there's someone out there getting off on that. And I already provide enough wank material for people. I don't plan to offer wank material to people like that. 
ever. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, sometimes you put like a dark or dark subject matter. You can't necessarily control what somebody does with that. But when it comes to sexual sadism, any kind of power that involves sexual domination, and I don't mean sexual domination in the BDSM kind of way, but in dominating people sexually to express power, um, that kind of thing, putting doing it graphically, that is going to get somebody off. So, just, <laughs> it just, so yeah. So, and, and the thing is, I think one of the things that happens in, in fantasy, people become inured to these things, right? They become very entrenched, especially in some fandoms. It's like there winds up being a lot of it. And people, you know, read something that's got a little bit of it. And when, then when you read something that's got a little bit of it, then a little bit, you know, a little bit more starts to seem okay. Yeah. You become desensitized. Um, and I mean, that's, that's happened to me, not not with not with the subject of rape, but it has come. It has happened to me with other dark subject matter. Where it happened read- to me with ties that bind. Um, a year after I finished doing the majority of the writing for ties that bind, I I went in. I I wanted to work on the North Star, and so I needed to read a couple of scenes in a lovely agony. And so I have not read this material in about a year and a half. A year, a year and a half. And I jumped right in to A Lovely Agony. And if you've read Ties That Bind, you know it builds. It builds and builds and builds and builds. And it gets a little more... It gets a little rougher as you go along. And I... I, <laughs> I opened up Ties That Bind. <laughs> I opened up Lovely Agony. And um, I, I was like, oh my god, I wrote this? I thought... Literally holding the back of my head. I was like, holy shit, I wrote this? Oh my god. Because it told I was just I'd gotten so deep in when I was writing it that it's it's really shocking to come at it at the middle. Because it's really intense. When they're having that public exposition for John's birthday, it is like I was like, whoa, what did I write? Oh my God, I'm holding my head. I had to take a break, get some coffee. But when you when you when you approach it from the from the front and, and you read it all the way through, by the time you get to Lovely Agony, you're kind of desensitized to it. Mm-hmm. And you're not That's- even so I can see how that can happen in other concepts as disgusting as they are. So I get it. And it's also pairings too, right? Like there are pairings you might find just like conceptually appalling. Um, and then, you know, you get exposed to that a little bit and then eventually it's no longer conceptually appalling. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say three years ago that I wouldn't have rocked, that I wouldn't have written frost iron on a bet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but you found, a, you, you found a way to make that to take out the parts that you objected to though. Right. You, you didn't like soften your objection. No, uh, no. I just out. made it more palatable for myself. You found, a, you found a way to address the issues. Is is the thing you didn't just like, you know, um, whitewash them. So, um, it there, there's 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 a, there's a line in Unleash Your Demons. When I wrote it, I went, "Oh, I would have you too." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but you can become like to pairings. You can become, um, you like, you know, you read like a questionable pairing or something. Um, like you're like, really? Would that be? Because um, like, okay, so like, let's let's say that. Um, 
you read a pairing where one character assaulted the other in Canada, right? And you don't really deal with that. It's just, it, it is just kind of glossed over. And so you, you become kind of like desensitized to what that implication of that is. And then the next thing you know, you're, 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 you're reading a story where a character has mind raped another character or has subverted their will. Or, and then the next thing you know, you're reading a story with full on rape and you're going, whoa, how did I get here? Um, well, there's, it, a, there's a really ugly path behind you. Right. And so you ca- you got to kind of, when it comes to that, I mean, especially, I mean, I remember like back in the, I have to say X-Files has a lot of dark fic. It has a lot of high angst, very dark fic. So um, I, I slid down that path to just, you know, um, I needed, I needed it. it, it and it, it got to this weird place where I needed it to get darker and darker and darker. And all of a sudden, I was miserable with everything I was reading. Because you, because they were somebody kept raising the bar, right? And they did. And the thing is, and, and Phantom does that, right? If somebody gets, you know, like a lot of, especially I think if somebody writes something that's popular and well done, that is uh, like pushing the boundaries a little bit of angst or dark themes or whatever it is, somebody's going to double down on that, and people do it in other. Uh, Fandom does this in every respect. It's not just about angst, right? If someone got props for going to a level nine, they're going to take it to a level twenty, right? And 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 it's it's it and and you think because you read similar subject matter before and you enjoyed it that you're going to enjoy this next thing. And sometimes you get train wreck syndrome, you know, and you kind of get to the end and you go, why did I read that? And, but by now you're 300 K in and you're like, you're a little bit desensitized. So the next one doesn't seem so bad. I mean, and that's how we get these really stupid, um, which is also on the list, but it's a little bit down the list. Um, we get these stupid character and craft craft trends that, um, kind of migrate through a fandom. That's how we got Blair with a, with a, um, Blair being a girl with a dick in the Sentinel. That's how we get the crybaby Tony Dinozo in NCIS. That's how we got the one-sided conversation. Fuck you very much, NCIS. Sincerely. Very sincerely. Um, it's just, it, now that it's just, there's, fandom trends are a terrible, terrible thing. And then there's what I would call like fandom one-upping, or someone is like trying to take it to the next level. And the thing is, there's a lot a lot of fan fiction writers don't know how to take it to the next level. All they can do is double down on the ugly parts. <laughs> and it gets really, really super offensive. Right. You know, Tony stops being assertive and turns into an abusive asshole. Right. So you, somebody reads, or somebody reads like a Tony who's sarcastic and witty, and they're trying to, they, they want to just amp up that sarcasm, and Tony comes off like a dick. You know, um, an abusive dick at that. So... Did you guys get that? The whole that whole ice cube penguin thing. Okay. Now see, I, okay. I, so this is for me one of the there was an ugly, really ugly trend in fandom. With I actually really appreciate how authors are trying to kind of take back Rule sixty three, but I have some deeply entrenched triggers around it because of um uh, an ugly trend in fandom. Which is let's look at the origins of rules origins of Rule sixty three in fandom. Was strictly it was rooted in homophobia. Well, that, really? and that's our next topic: homophobia. Really blatant, ugly right homophobia. Yeah, um, which was that, and the part of it was dearth of good female characters. 
coupled with really good male male kind of chemistry and what they did is they you know go well i'm not going to write a gay pairing god forbid so what i'm going to do is i'm going to you know make one of them a girl so that i can write head and that's uh, that's what i i would that's a really homophobic kind of origin to that um to to, the, to where that kind of started from which is I'm not prepared to write two guys having sex. Well, and you even would see comments in discussion forums, right? Which would be like, well, if only these, you know, like, and then specifically, I'm specifically thinking about the Sentinel. Well, if only Jim, if only Blair were a girl, um, these two would be great in a relationship together. And it's like, well, why couldn't they be really great in a relationship together with Blair being a guy, you know? Um, so it was, it was just, it was, it was a really, it was really, well, people, people who were, who were objecting to writing two men weren't going to write two women. So, um, I mean, they specifically did it to avoid writing, um, a, a gay pairing because they were deeply homophobic. Yes. So when I decided I wanted to do a a sixty three pick, I was like, it opens up a window, right? You know, and I'm like, am I gonna get accused of this because I've already been accused of misogyny? Just add that to my basket. Right. So it was the, the Sentinel fandom had, uh, and you, but you saw, you saw that ugliness also in, in, in start back way back in the Star Trek days of people who didn't want to write Kirk Spock, but saw the chemistry there, didn't see another viable romantic pairing. And so they turned one of them female. Um, and, and, and the thing is, I don't have conceptually, I don't have a problem with exploring what a character would be like if they were the opposite gender, but my exposure to this in fandom was so entrenched in the homophobic aspect of the whole thing that it just, and there are times when, I mean, often I will try, like, I mean, like try to broaden my horizons and read somebody's interpretation of a female, whoever, there's some characters I never, I, as much as I've tried, I cannot get behind them. Rule 63. I've tried. I'm like, Nope. I I think I've read the best example of that there can be. And it's a hell no for me. Um, and it probably is more because I have a very a, a big attachment to the character the way they are. She, she means Bilbo, y'all. <laughs> I don't. I don't just. I don't just mean Bilbo. There's there's at least two other characters that I have this 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 had this, this experience with. But um, I, I told Julie the other day that I couldn't see um, John Shatner, and even though I wrote John as Julia in the in the Rule sixty three challenge, that it just really wasn't my comfort zone because I'm too flansexual. <laughs> I'm all I'm all aboard the Flanagan train, so I can't. I just <laughs> it messes yeah. with me. Yeah, sometimes you are, but I mean, there are some characters where they just, if the author translates them well into a female character, then to me they're departed enough from the character I love that I'm under, that it doesn't gel for me, or the character is just a caricature because they're exactly like their male counterpart, which isn't um, isn't true to. It isn't true to the human condition. Right. It just doesn't work. So, um, 
you know, but like I said, I keep trying. It's like I said, there's some characters that I do better with being rule 63 than others, but I even still hit limits because sometimes it just starts to feel, it just kind of brings up that really ugly thing for me back when, you know, I'm, I'm in fandom and there's this huge, there, when I got in, first got involved in fandom, the homophobia was rampant and, you know, I'm, I'm gay. And so I was like, this felt really particularly personal to me. Um, to be, you know, told that, you know, you have to, like, Het, Hetfic was labeled Jen back then, and Slash was separated out into a separate category. And, I mean, literally, for fuck's sake. Even, even non-canon Het pairings were labeled Genfic. I mean, what the fuck, right? So, Slash... I enjoyed was, writing Julia, but I kind of fell in love with Meredith. Yeah. Um... But like, so, and actually because of my deeply entrenched triggers around this, and it's not because I have a problem writing a, a actually somebody asked me about this in another context, if it was, um, if I had a problem writing a heterosexual couple and I said that wasn't the issue, the reason why if I ever did, whenever I do Rule 63 a character, it's only happened a couple times, um, that the character still winds up gay. And it's because I just can't. I can't remind myself in my own writing of something that was to me deeply ugly part of fandom. I'm trying to you get know, over I read it. your um your story with um with female Tony and Cat Cassidy? Cassie. 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 Um and I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course she wants to climb on that because she's beautiful. I mean, it didn't even cross my mind that that, that Tony wouldn't be all in on women. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, it was just like the most natural thing in the world for her to ask um, Cassie out at the end. I'd have been pissed off if she hadn't because it was just like, yeah, of course she is. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. Tamara Taylor's gorgeous. Why wouldn't you want to climb on that train? Right? Um, <laughs> all it's aboard. Like, even the times when I've been able to get past it to enjoy somebody else's writing for rule 63 in my own writing. I just can't do that. I can't, I can't make a character that I would write gay and make them straight because it just resonates and it, it, it trips that, that trigger of dealing with like rampant homophobia in, in fandom for years. Um, it, it trips it too hard. So if I ever rule 63, somebody, um, see, and I could make, um, male Tony Denozo gay or straight. But I would only write female Tony Gay because it just, it, my brain, it, it, it's just, and it's just because of my own issues with dealing with, um, and when I wrote, you know, girl Alex Shepard, now Alex Shepard and that kind of, Alex Shepard grown at Raisin Shepard's more of an OC than anything else, but the OC was still conceived as a male character, which is why, you know, girl Alex Shepard was going to be gay. That was the way that was going to go. Um, for me, this is something really interesting because I'm kind of like of the opinion that John is actually bisexual. John Shepard is bisexual. Um, but McKay is just John sexual. <laughs> McKay's all about John. It doesn't matter what McKay's got going on in their pants. They're all about John. It doesn't matter what else is going on. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's just it's just it's just that that homophobia thing in fandom was a really and I can't you can't say that it's gone because it's no not. no no no. In fact, one of the things that um there was a person who contacted me who was really pissed off about hold my coffee not because it was a rule 63 but because i'd finally written rule 63 and they were a het reader and they were a het reader only and they were angry with me because john was bi and that he talked about having sex with a man they were furious oh. with me and I, was, and I wrote back two words do you want do you want to guess what they were fuck you yeah fuck you <laughs> That's all they got. I, I mean, I, I was—I mean, if it had been three words, I'd have said it was "suck my dick" or "kiss my ass." But you know, um, I was like, "What?" And I said it before, and I'll say it again. I actually don't care what's in my character's pants until it comes time for them to fuck, and then I need to know how it goes together. And that's the only reason it matters. If if it all just went together the, any which way every time, and it didn't—it wouldn't matter at all to me. I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck. What's in your pants until it's time to get off. And then I just need to know how you get off. <laughs> and that's it. That's right. Um, I've been thinking and, about writing a, a, a Natasha fic for MCU and take back the MCU. Um, and I think I'm going to make her a lesbian. Yeah, I think if I ever wrote Natasha, I'd have to make her gay. Not because not because I have to make her gay, but because I think her relationships with men have been so unhealthy, and she's basically been whored out by um, Shield and Red Room. Sh Shield in the Red Room so much. No, definitely yeah, I hate Pepper. Melinda. No. Um, <laughs> Melinda. Yeah, for me, it'd be Melinda, not Maria. I don't actually don't like Maria Hill, so I would definitely go with Melinda May. I was okay but, with <clears> Maria <throat> until um, I saw some some. Uh, like uh, director's cut footage of her p blaming the invasion basically of the Chitari on the Avengers. And I was like, fuck you, Maria. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. So, so but yeah, Melinda but, May all the way. But I would be, yeah, I think that I don't think, I don't think I could redeem Natasha and have, and put her in a healthy relationship and have it be with a guy just because I think she's been poured out too much in her life that I think that her, her, her relationship, with men would just be too dysfunctional so it'd be easier for me to write her in a in a in a functional um healthy relationship and right i would not put carter who sharon carter hell no peggy carter peggy carter is an old lady by the time natasha is an adult i'm having to see oh sharon, sharon carter no. no no i don't like sharon peggy Peggy. <laughs> Peggy's in her 80s or 90s when Natasha um, is in Peggy Shield. Peggy has Alzheimer's. I'm not interested in time traveling we're back to World War II. We're doing the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not the not nothing. Don't don't nothing car nothing comic related. I know Natasha was older in the comics than she is in the MCU, but just put that right out of your head. But Sharon, um, Sharon's actually in the same boat that Natasha is. She's just in a, um, in a new one. They just started whoring her out when, yeah. when S.H.I.E.L.D. falls apart. And her first assignment was apparently, based on Endgame, to bag her own uncle. Who? I'm serious. What? Really? Now, here's the question. Did she know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> one would hope not. 
the, the thing is, they they broke. I, I think they they did that. They just thing broke they so much. It was unreal. It was just it's just too much. You can't. They want to have one little moment, and I think that whole moment was about getting the shield back, right, and giving Steve Rogers a way out of Marvel without. I mean, Chris Evans a way out without having to kill off Captain America, um, and. I mean, all I can say to that is, like, what the fuck? What the fuck? They broke so much with that one little moment, and it just wasn't necessary. It makes, it makes Steve Rogers a monster. And we've discussed that before, and we don't need to go into it again. But, yeah, it just it just makes him an absolute monster. If, if, if he's been lingering in the back of the MCU the entire time, just think about all the things he let happen. So... So yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a thing. Um, but so the homophobia in fandom is 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 it it's an ongoing battle. Um, it's an ongoing battle in that people still warn for slash. Um, that sites still expect you to warn for slash. I will warn for explicit sex, not for the sex, but because of the explicit nature of it. But I'm not going to warn for individual sex acts unless they're extremely kinky. Um, and I'm sure not going to ever warn for slash. Hydra Steve is not a fan theory. That was an MC, that was a Marvel comic arc. Yeah, a really unfortunate one. That was not um, a fan theory. But and, uh, and on any site that I control in any fashion, admin, moderator, whatever, if someone submits something warning for slash, I'm gonna I'm gonna add, I'm gonna be like, no, that has to change. It is absolutely not. I would not accept it on uh, the first person who warns for slash on Rev Tri is gonna get is gonna get kicked off of trade. I'm not even playing. I just can't. No. no. Unless you can prove to me that you just didn't understand and you're an innocent little girl who had no idea or boy, whatever, I'm not picky. Um Well some of that is people who've been I think people who've been in fandom for a really long time who were told they had to warn for that kind of thing. But you don't have I to I was warn. told, and then after a year, I was like, why am I, why am I warning for Slash right alongside murder and violence? It was horrifying. It was a horrifying moment for me. You leave our little church lady alone, Lady Holder. She's not she here to defend to, herself. What is she doing? To, I'm in a different room right now. What is she doing to our church lady? Oh, there she is. She said, I said that for innocent little girls and boys, and she said, that, that leaves ass out. <laughs> if someone asked me to warn for Fem Slash, I would laugh in their face. I would have to, can I have your phone number? Because I need to call you. <laughs> so I can laugh in your ear. <laughs> can you meet me on Discord? I can just send you an audio file. I'm I'm willing to record me laughing my ass off at your dumb butt. <laughs> this is me laughing at you. The one that wanted me to warn for rimming, which is not as fascinating as the one who wanted me to warn for politics. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but we're gonna talk about warnings later because that's actually a whole section. Yeah, but home fandom it it definitely has it, it still has a deep a, a big underbelly of homophobia to the degree that um like some fandoms are very divided about like what archive they're on right um and you will get a lot more abuse for writing you will get a lot more abuse for writing um um slash on on 
if you write in NCIS, and actually, actually in any fandom, you're more likely to get abused for writing slash on fanfiction.net than you are on AO3. Anybody else want to write a big old gay thicky stick it on um, fanfiction.net as Spike? Wait, yeah. I have a whole bunch of them. So just Take your pick. pick. one at random. <laughs> just pick the filthiest one I got. We should probably get kicked off fanfiction.net. But... <laughs> But this, I mean, this stuff all... I did write Rimming out of spite, and I will continue to do so without um, warning for it. But it wasn't so much that they wanted a warning. They wanted me to put demarcation marks in my story where the Rimming took place so they would know where to skip. Well, when somebody's starting to lick down someone's spine, why don't you just skip on ahead? Let's just skip ahead a little bit. There are some things in sex I don't want to read. I'm perfectly fine with skipping. I don't have people to... I mean, can you imagine if you had to section off all the things individual readers didn't want to, re didn't want to read? No. But, I mean, that's, we come back to the whole thing with... Um, with with fandom still expects... to. There are still people out there who expect you to warn for gay relationships. There are people out there who will put a rape as a pairing. Um, and it's like it's like it's like they have no concept of of what is warnable, right? And what warrants a warning. We'll get. I know we're gonna get to warnings, but being gay doesn't warrant a warning. If someone doesn't want to read a gay pairing, they should pay attention to the pairing, right? They shouldn't. I'm not ever warning for slash or or fem slash or even het for that matter because I have had slash readers bishop me for including a het pairing and and what they considered a gay story. They said it was um uh intrusive and unnecessary. Intrusive and unnecessary, okay. I was like fuck you. Because no. But there was like actually a conversation on a Yahoo group that I belong to. And uh, not Yahoo. Did I say Yahoo? <laughs> You said Yahoo, yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> There's only one Yahoo group I belong to, and that's just to see what they're saying about me. Um, I meant Facebook. There was a Facebook group I belong to, and um, I don't go over there much because you know Facebook makes me furious. And um, anyway, I ended up over there, and um, they were actually discussing whether or not you should warn for slash. And I said, never in a million years. You warn for shit like rape and murder and explicit violence and explicit language you don't warn for somebody being gay what the fuck is wrong with you i thought for sure i was gonna get kicked out of the group <laughs> i guess it pays to be a dumbass and being an f <laughs> uh, am i a bnf in um, harry potter or is that just stargate the questions when it has to ask themselves Dude, I have no idea. <laughs> Just A. <laughs> Just A, VNF. Um, but uh which is stupid. And it's it's actually last it's not last on our list, but it's pretty damn close. Um but uh yeah, and I was like, well, no. Right. <laughs> Dark's gonna start warning for hit. I'm gonna start warning for snark. As um, you problems. Snark, snark. Actually, I wish people would just take warnings seriously. Honestly, um, I know. I'm, I'm just playing. I'm sorry. I know you are, but that actually just it segued into me. My one of my 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 one of my annoyances by people not taking warnings seriously. When you have to wade through, and and this is actually in warning lists, not just in a giant tag cloud. Fuck you, Ao3. Um, <laughs> you have, you have I to wade. Hate the big giant tag cloud. 
that you have to wade through a bunch of stupid warnings um, to get to the to the act to find the actual and and the and the real warnings are intermixed with the, the stupid warnings like fluff or excessive cuteness, you know, whatever. Do they even allow those excessive warnings on AO3? Or it's like their warnings, like they have very specific warnings, right? Oh, but the thing is, anything that is not an archive warning, you're supposed to put in the tags, right? So, like, if you want to warn for incest, which is not an archive warning, it's just a tag. So, as to whether or not it's a content tag or a warning, is you know, that is that is reader interpretation. Because the only, the only, the, I don't think incest is, a, is an archive. I think the archive warnings for major character deaths, graphic violence, rape, and underage, and that's it. It's four. So it's it, so innocuous underage when when they really mean pedophilia and Chan. Yeah. Well, but you don't know. The thing is, you don't really know what the the you don't know the intent of what's in the in the tag cloud in Ao3 because right. if, some, if somebody puts adultery, I would read that as a warning. While some but, might read that as a feature. But it's right there next to the word slash. So which, which is it? Is it warning or is it, is it a content tag? And technically they're all content tags, but people put their warning. So some authors then, to be responsible, give you a separate warning list in the thing. But even there, they don't take it seriously. Because then you see warnings for things like slash and you see warnings for things like excessive cuteness or cat memes. Or it's just, it's like, okay. I like cat memes. I don't need to be warned for it, but tagging for it probably would make me like more likely to click on it. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, but you know, here's the thing. Uh, people treat tags like warnings and warnings like tags, and I think they should be separate. I think there agree. should be a little more care. I absolutely agree. I mean, if you want to tag for Fluffy, you go right ahead, but, uh, you know, then give me a genuine warning list as well. Because if in the middle of your fluffy fic there's an explicit rape, I'd like to know in advance. So I won't read it. And if you do, if you are someone who uses a giant tag cloud, you know, please give us a, a separate warning list, a real warning list, because I'm not interested in reading your tag cloud. I mean, there are fics out there that have more in the tags than they do in the story. Like there's more words in the tags. Like there's like three thousand words in the tags for a, for a two hundred word fic, right? And it's like, what the hell? When your tag list makes me scroll down to the next page, and I still got more tags to read, you got a fucking problem. <laughs> Serious. One of those problem. problems is, is I'm not going to read your shit. <laughs> Someone asked me once if, um, re I guess about two years ago, because they had encountered something on AO3, and they didn't know if it was offensive or not, and they came to me and asked me, I don't know why, um, and you'll find out shortly why they, why, you were like, what the fuck, why would they ask Kira that question? But they had seen the tag for, um, character of color, and they wanted to know if that was racist, and she comes and asks me, and I'm thinking, sweetheart. I'm the wise woman in America. Why, why are you asking me if something is racist? I said, but it's not. I, I knew the answer. It's because some people look for stories featuring, featuring color, characters of color because they want to see characters of color in fiction. Well, it isn't a warning. It's a content tag to say, hey, this is what you're looking for. 
Right. But it is very difficult to tell when it comes to content tags on AO3, since you're supposed to use the content tags for literally everything. And I get the, I get, they I should get, have like a warning section, a content section, and a genre section. Yet they don't. So they just give you one giant blob. Now they do come, re- fandoms come first, um, and then me- ar- mandatory archive warnings, of which there are four, um, and then pairings, and then characters, and then everything else. So there is an order to a degree, but once you get to the everything else, which is either, if it's not a character and it's not a relationship, it's not a fandom and it's not one of the four archive warnings, it goes in the tag blob. The most abused tag blob. So Exclusions only help if people warn a tag appropriately. Yeah, the exclusions, I find it's just me. Because the things I want to exclude, I still wind up getting. I, I routinely exclude ABO from my searches, but it doesn't prevent ABO from being in my results. It also doesn't help that they don't have any kind of uniformity in their tags. I mean, the tag wranglers, I think, try. But the problem is there's not even really a, a way that the tag wranglers Cause like, can combine like A slash B slash O with ABO and... A slash A, B, or just ever how they do it. There are so many different ways for it to be tagged that it becomes difficult to um, Well, but also to like, let's say, let's say somebody writes um, Tony Fields, right? In regards to Tony Stark, right? And that's the first time that tag is used. Maybe the tag wrangler was on the ball and they attributed that to Tony Stark. Right? But the I prob- missed the tag. Tony Fields? Okay. The next time, let's say someone in NCIS writes Tony Fields, well, that tag already exists. And so you'd hit Tony Fields, you hit that tag, and the next thing you know, you're seeing much stuff about Tony Stark. Because it has become, the, the meta tag is t- about Tony Stark as a character. So the tag wranglers, there, there's, there's big problems in the, how, they, how they wrangle these tags, and the fact that they let people put in any tag that they want. Um, so I actually find the include exclude kind of thing off. And then there's, there's authors who don't bother with the content tags at all. So not even the relation tags. Now some of the stuff where it's even lacking relationship and character tags are probably because they came in through open doors. So all you're going to get is a fandom. Um, they should have the ability for, this is actually, it would be abused. Never mind. I'm not going to say it. No. <laughs> But maybe they could take volunteers that could go into those open door projects and tag the fic. And you and in some cases, I think that does happen. It depends upon, you know, because you have to have somebody who, you know, probably whoever is a, who is doing the import would agree could come in and tag the fix for them. And if they don't have a good volunteer group to come in and do it, you don't want to just trust anybody to come in and, you know, tag your archive as it's being. But it's just. It's. It, I understand this is very difficult. It, it's not an easy problem to solve the tag thing, but they could have done the minimum of at least letting us know whether the author considers this type of tag a warning. I mean, let the author choose. Like, here's your warning section. What are your tags? And if the author puts slash in their warning section, I maybe I don't want to read that author. Now, if they, Ever. Put, if they put slash in their content tag, maybe I do want to read this author. You know, so it's just, 
I do have het and slash in the genre tag for um we have them at Quantum Bang and we also have them on Wild Hair because that's where they belong. Mm-hmm. I actually it it I don't mm, I think I think they're a little bit weird as genre tags because they're very binary. Um and even if you add a third like het slash or or you it's often it's het slash femme slash and a fourth if you put in other. Um, it's still kind of very, to me, it's like very polarizing in its way. But mm-hmm. I understand that that's how most people browse for what they want to read. So I get it. But at the same time, it's still a very, like, binary way of thinking. We don't have, we have a film slash tag, don't we? And we have a no relationship tag, but we don't have. We don't have an other. We, well, we, we only, we have, we have fem slash on wild hair. Um, yes, we have fem slash on wild hair and on rough trade. We don't have it on the quantum bang because nobody put it in there. We, 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 right. we, we curated the quantum bang list specifically based upon what people submitted as their genres and no one submitted fem slash. Yet. Yet. So we got it, next year. Yeah, next year we <laughs> next year it could be the list could expand based upon what people put next year, but the list was not as big as what we have on the wild hair and the quantum bang. I mean, and the rough trade because people didn't pick it. Not yeah, next year all the pussy, pussy cats. Whenever I hear the word pussy, I think of the scene in Porky's, and it just it it ruins me. I'm, I'm gonna take a mental break. There will be no tentacle porn. <laughs> it, it, it honestly depends on what kind of tentacle porn I mean if it's consensual alien tentacle porn is one thing you know alien city molesting Rodney that's another thing just saying she's just saying there there was tentacle porn off screen in one of my Star Trek sh- um um Bones got it on with some tentacle having aliens. <laughs> yes, you you alluded to it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nebulous <laughs> species. It's just, it amused me, and I don't know how that ended up in there. Is When I was writing it, we might have been talking about tentacles at some point, and it just kind of ended up in my writing. I That really wasn't something I intended to put in. Unleash our demons that her species, that the male species had tentacles. It just happened. It was just, it was dick tentacles. I don't even, I don't even. She didn't mean it. <laughs> or she it meant kinda, it. Sometimes things just slip into your writing, you know? Yeah. Sometimes it just happens. Like that whole genius t-shirt. That That is definitely like a, a headcanon slip. So... <laughs> Like maybe like maybe maybe McKay sent him that t shirt. <laughs> I don't know. It was just I don't know how I got in there. <laughs> yeah, the, the the tentacles just slipped in as that's exactly what happened. They always do. As gentle as genital tentacles are known to do. Well, I don't get in their business. I have no idea if their tentacles are self lubing. That's none of my. That's none of my. Never mind. <laughs> Some very specific questions there. <laughs> it's just all up in their business. I'm a little worried. <laughs> the ones in that Atlantis fix are. 
the mechanical ones. See, what had happened was, is John's been having fantasies about McKay, and he's deeply connected to the city. And the city basically kind of gets a crush on McKay and starts helping him out. <laughs> oh, okay. And she uses John's fantasies <laughs> to help Rodney out. Um, I'm just saying. It's, um, there is actually another fit where the, the city would kind of give John a hand in the shower. And when Rodney found out about it, he was like, why the hell am I not getting a hand in the shower? <laughs> oh, Stargate fandom. <laughs> yeah, they they have some, they have some stuff, don't they? But all fandoms have that thing that there's that there's that little tentacle porn section of every fandom. <laughs> yes. Harry Potter's is the worst. <laughs> that poor giant squid. Don't go there, as I don't know, I don't want to hear about that story again. <laughs> do, you, do you ever see that? episode of the Carol Burnett show where Tim Conway is going on and on about the elephants. That's as. Just when you think she doesn't have anything else to say, she opens her mouth and something else comes out. Yep. Mm -mm. But, you know, honestly, outside of the, the whole, um, fetishizing of um, consent and issues in, in fandom that I think homophobia yeah that's it right there Lady Holder um, that homophobia is probably the, the second biggest issue in fandom for me uh, even I mean even incest fic kind of falls into that fetish, fetishizing of consent because there's, there's usually one person in that pairing who's kind of forcing the issue, kind of forcing the taboo, trying to talk the other person into it, you know? Saying it'll be okay, It's it doesn't matter, you know, it's just between you and me. There's grooming going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's just really gross. If we could deal, yeah, if we could deal with all of the consent issues that fandom, because there, there's a lot of things that bother me that, that Art come under the consent issues. Um, I sort, I sort of I, incest drives me bonkers in the in fandom. I don't get why we need to have so much freaking incest. But you know, I, I kind of, I kind of, at this point, I'm sort of reconciled to the sibling incest, even though I'm not personally going to read it. I get, but I, I can't get as goes. It actually ends up being the more innocent one in fandom, as long as they're adults. As long as they're adults. But when it comes to the parent-child incest, I mean, it's like, come on. That come is, on, you there nasty is, motherfuckers. There's there, no is, there is never going to be where a case where that is, is okay. That that is not emotionally abusive in some fashion. It's just, it's just no. I don't care how old they are. That's true. People would rather have incest than Mary, than a Mary Sue. And that's just really fucking tragic. 
<laughs> it's very tragic. I'm trying to think about like a situation where I would, and I think no, no, there, there's a situation where I would prefer incest to Mary Sue. I'll read the Mary Sue all day long. Give me the my immortal before you give me a fic where James Potter is banging his own son. <sighs> it is also legally incest. Parent child is incest. It's also rape and pedophilia, depending on the age and abuse. It could be epiphilia, depending on the age of the child. But it is legally incest and it is prosecuted as such. RPF is um I think also in some ways a a fetish I'm gonna say that word tonight once without having to get all tangled up in it. I think it boils down to consent issues as well. I think RPF is like um, the ultimate abuse of someone's agency. In in fiction writing, anyway. You know, it's you trying to control this this real person's life in your fiction. It's it's obscene. I, yeah, I, don't, I really, I don't really have any good things to say about rpf i i find it very it, to me to me it's just more case i find it really distasteful um but you know but the but but the bigger issue is that really more so than anything else in fandom it is in a very legal gray area it is in a very legal gray area and there have been a lot of cases brought about people writing really fucked up stuff about real people and, you know, you would think with a little bit of empathy, people could understand why this is problematic. Because um, would you want somebody deciding to write? You can't treat people like meat puppets. No. But, I mean, could you imagine logging in one day to Facebook and finding that one of your friends is writing um, a story about you and using you, you personally with your name and your features and the person you're in a relationship with and using you as, as a character in a story and maybe breaking you up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It would be really disgusting and upsetting. In what might have been, I used um, two real people in doing their jobs um, on the news uh, like Larry King and Ellen, to be specific, they were they, my characters ended up on their TV shows, um, and at the time it didn't feel wrong, but now looking back at it, I, I wish I'd have made different choices. So like an you created an original character. I mean, I don't yeah. actually have a problem with people using I, for the, I I don't know what I would do, but I think if I had them on on screen for very long, I'd probably use an OC. But generally, like for the rules of the quantum bang, what we said is if you're using a character in their contextually appropriate role and it's a very minor thing, it's fine. But like you can have the president be the president, right? Um, but if they're playing a significant role, you should write an OC. So it's like, you know, I think I, probably more than a line or two of dialogue and I would need to write an OC. I think I would pass my comfort level. Like if yeah, like if I was showing a character backstage with Ellen or something or Whoopi, you know, or not Whoopi or an Oprah or something, I think I would start to get uncomfortable. Uh, you know, looking back on it, I'm not sure I could do it now. But that's been like what, ten almost ten years? Yeah. Well, the thing is, is people who write RPF don't care. They don't have any empathy towards the people they are using to entertain themselves with. They are creating ownership, and that's ugly. And it creates um, 
a situation where they're destroying that person's agency in a fiction in what in, in fictional circumstances and turning them into this caricature of themselves in a very disgusting fashion. It's just not I'm making my own eye twitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's just gross. And again, it it boils down to consent and agency and um people not giving a shit. So let me go back to our list. Um, (laughs) You know, honestly, these little pockets of fandom create um, a lot of apathy in me. It's like, I look at it and think to myself, that little dark pocket over there is getting really big. I I, I don't want it to touch my stuff. I don't want it to touch my stuff. Our next section is entitlement. And um, so this is a reader and an author situation. Um, there's a, there's a, there's an ugly mentality in, in fandom where um, readers get the idea that they're entitled to, um, that is insane. How arrogant do you have to be to give an actor RPF of their own, of, uh, of themselves. I think giving them fan fiction of themselves is a little, like, you know, of their characters is a little. No. <laughs> Depending but, on the fan art. <laughs> <laughs> it's not normal. It is not, not normal. But yeah, the entitlement. There's a there's a there's a real ugly underbelly in fandom. Um, we saw on um, a couple years ago where an author was actually berated by her readers for complaining about somebody plagiarizing her work because the readers were so fucking greedy for more story that they were perfectly okay with somebody else stealing her work and continuing it like it was no big deal. And then how dare she get mad about plagiarism? Yeah, and 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 that was well, and I think her her readers were a little bit of a problem, um, but I think the bigger problem was the author who was doing the plagiarizing. Instead of just being a decent human being, well, I mean, although if you're plagiarizing, I don't think that you are a decent human being. But instead of just going, right. okay, yeah. I've I've you're been a shit person, I've yeah. been caught, so I'm going to you know, um, take my stuff down. She got, to my way of reading it, she got her, her, her readers. She, she actually brought up this other, other author that was complaining about the similarities in their stories and, and pointed her readers at this other author. And so they went and dogpiled her and told her she should just shut up and deal with it and stuff. It was just, it was just really butt ugly behavior. It was disgusting. But dogpiling can be, it's been a huge fandom dust-ups about it. um, With plagiarism and um, infighting and um, people not liking how you characterize a character and a fix and suddenly, you know... You're getting bitched at in private because you know your your Blair Sandberg was too accomplished. Um, and and how dare he have a life before Jim um, Ellison walked into it? 
Julie, are you here? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, because I was wondering if I was talking to myself. <laughs> no, no. No, it just, it was... Sexy. He didn't cry enough. Yeah, he didn't cry enough. Yeah, I am talking to you guys. But her her end was really, really quiet. And I was like, I wonder if she, she dropped or something. No. I was just thinking about that, the whole dogpiling mentality that we get going on in fandom. And it's not just... It's not just a, 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 like, that kind of mob mentality has been an unfortunate hallmark of fandom from the beginning. I, it reminds us that fan is sh- short for fanatic, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and we see it in, in, in every respect, right? You see it with, like, show, show content for creators, like the showrunner or the writers or the directors um being abused and and given death threats and stuff over the choices that they make for the show. And yeah, I don't agree with I and I don't like the choices that these show pe- I at the worst I might do is write a letter to CBS like saying something like are you guys like paying attention to the consistency in your writing? You know, like a legitimate consumer complaint kind of thing like the writing quality has slipped but do you issue threats? <laughs> do, you, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you threaten the showrunner's family because he, they chose to kill off Ziva? No, that's not that's, that's not appropriate that's just behavior. Not cool. It's not good. And but you've also saw that, and, and there were times when this is kind of like a later topic, but when you know popular people in fandom would get little click of people to go out and abuse people for them. And you would have these horrible wars that I don't even know if people knew what they were. It was like this big group thing, right? Um, where I don't even think people knew what they were fighting about. They didn't need to. All the um, all they needed was a target, right? I um, no, I, you know, I kind of got lucky in in the whole Sentinel thing. I only got a few persistent people, the same people, not a mob. You know, and I actually even won those awards, and I'm probably, you know, made some enemies that I don't even know their names, but whatever. <laughs> but people got really bent with me, but I didn't get the kind of treatment that um, Mika did in NCIS or For the Joy did in The Hobbit, um, where they were basically, you know, harassed out of fandom. Well, I mean, you know, I stopped posting um, in The Sentinel. Uh, not because somebody told me to, but because I lost interest in them because they were mean. But I didn't stop writing altogether. I take my toys home, um, and that has happened. People just just leave altogether because they can't handle it, and they get followed from one fandom to another, so that the that the abuse just never ends. And I don't get it. Um, what so? I mean. What is so offensive about this girl riding a Tony Zanozo Navy SEAL story that required, that, that let, not required, but that encouraged all these people to follow this person around fandom until she just completely left? I mean, she tried to move repeatedly. Like, she, she created her own website. I think it was like, like a like that one of those e-fix sites, right? Where she put up you had to you had to you had to register as a user on her site. Like it wasn't like a WordPress kind of thing, right? It was you had to, you know, create a login credentials for her site and and I swear to follow the rules. 
No, it wasn't a Yahoo. She well, she did do a Yahoo group for a while, but no, she actually created her own website with that. You know, there was that popular software that a lot of archives ran on, a lot of individual archives ran on for a while. What was it called? Like eFic or something like that? I yeah. can't remember. Efiction or something. Yeah. I I know what you mean. She had she used that software to generate her own website. And um people still created dummy accounts just to abuse her. So, I mean, it was like, what was the why? I mean, these people need a hobby. A better hobby. There is a mob mentality. And it, it also can um, manifest in other ways. And um, you see, um, or we've seen in the past, where um, readers have dogpiled on somebody just because they upset a writer. Um, or they accused a writer of plagiarism. or And you know who I'm talking about. Um... <laughs> Or rightly, rightly, or they um they didn't adhere to the fandom hierarchy, <laughs> and suddenly they're being um dogpiled by this by this other right this other writers readers. Um, <laughs> Uh. And there were, there have been other authors since then who have come on and done, you know, and Tony and Seal stories. And I really appreciate that, uh, that they just kind of like double birded that fandom and said, well, we're going to do it even if you hate it. Um, but, you know, even if people get even if even if there's some percentage of people um, who have issues with the way that she didn't research enough or whatever, or she had she had inaccuracies. That kind of need in fandom to to let somebody know who said, especially since she said I didn't, I don't want to hear it. Um, it's just it's ridiculous. Rudeness, so much rudeness. She got quiet on me again. It really going that quiet? I figured you'd hear my little background hum. Um, no, no, it's like, it's like dead silence. It's almost kind of hypnotic. <laughs> That's so strange because there's actually quite a lot of background noise here. So it'll be interesting mm. to see what the recording picks up. But it, I just, the, the need to, um, I mean, for a long time, the, the NCIS fandom is, it's sort of moderate size, moderate, moderate ish size in, on AO3 these days. Um, I think that they're pushing like 14,000 thick or something like that. And maybe. as much canon as they have across all those shows, that's a little, well, but it's really big on, um, it's one of the top 20 fandoms on fanfiction.net. Yeah. But, um, the thing is slash writers were treated so badly on, uh, on the, uh, on fanfiction.net. And the thing is that the, the, they would, they would explicitly state, they'd even put it in their titles slash, or this is slash. If you don't like it, don't read it. You know, it, they were treated so badly that, that, readers this goes back to the homophobia thing would seek out every slash story that went up every single one and heap abuse on the author chapter after chapter after chapter they must have been so happy when ao3 appeared on the screen yeah so as a result they the you would think that people who want to appeal to the large, largest audience of ncis readers would be posting on on fanfiction.net but they don't because um even a, even a lot of the the people who tend to write more towards het in that fandom don't like the the bullying tactics that went on over there. 
So there was this kind of this exodus. Um, but I think, I mean, the last time I checked, I think like the NCIS is in the top 20 fandom size wise on a, on fanfiction.net, but it, it doesn't hit anywhere in, in the top tier in terms of size on AO3. But it's because a lot of those, those, those stories have just never migrated. Because it's interesting to know if they still do it, if they still dogpile on a slash story. Yeah. And if they do it to people who don't have, if if, if they do it to supposedly new re- new writers versus someone more established, like you like you or me, like if someone posted over there under a new name with nothing going on and no no fandom presence, how would they be treated versus how you or I would be treated? You being the bigger name in NCIS, um, how would you be treated if you posted a slash fiction on fanfiction.net? I have no idea. That's curious. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I don't, I don't know that, um, and there's like, I think that most, most people who ever started reading me either started reading me through, um, and that's down. The 41,000 is, is down. It used to be bigger than that, which is weird to think that it's reduced in size, but it has, uh, I think I want to say it was like forty six thousand at one point or something, but that's a lot considering that it, you only got like what thirteen, fourteen thousand over on Ao three. So that's a weird dis- size discrepancy between the two. And um, so, what's the biggest fandom on Ao three? On Ao three, Lord of the Rings? Uh, no, I think it's Supernatural. No, a- a- Harry Potter's the biggest on the pit, but I think Supernatural's the biggest on Ao three. I would have to double check, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's supernatural. How do you check? Um, let me go. Just what you do is you go in, you just hit search, do a blank search, and then um, and then go into. Well, no, that's not the way to do it. <laughs> I used to know how to do this. Um, there are almost there are 4.8 million fics on Ao3 right now. Largest fandom as of January of 2018, so this is a little bit old, was Supernatural by by an, a not insignificant margin. Harry Potter coming okay, in. Okay, so there are, there are over 200,000 Harry Potter fix. Marvel has 365,000. Supernatural has 209,000. <laughs> if you combine all the Marvel together, it's got more than I wonder if they're combining Supernatural and Supernatural RPF with this. Let's see. Let's see. They have Harry Potter at 213,000. Supernatural is at 209. Um, but over here in cartoons, comics, and graphic novels, Marvel is at 300, is 365,000. Marvel Cinematic Universe is 286. So I would guess Marvel has moved into first place. Yeah. Then, then Supernatural and then Harry Potter. Then Harry Potter, then Supernatural. Oh God, there are two hundred and forty-six thousand real person fictions on, um. Are you saying the RP? Are they actually saying that RPF is bigger than Harry Potter? Well, I don't think they count RPF as one big fandom. Um. What well, says over here on celebrities and real people, real person fiction, two hundred and forty-six thousand six hundred seventy-three. Then they have video blogging RPF at sixty-nine thousand. 
and then actor P- R- R- um, RPF at 64, and then sports RPF at 57, and music RPF at 49. Celebrity, so real, real RPF, 246, 250,000 people. Okay, that's that's a lot. <laughs> well, they're, no, they're they're not counting words; they're counting stories. I imagine, as far as content goes, that um, Harry Potter, um, Tolkien works, and Marvel take up the bulk of the word count on Archive of Our Own. Because some of those damn Lord of the Rings fix are a million words. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have to I have to pause myself, so keep talking. Okay. So we were doing We're in we're in reader we're in reader reader author entitlement right now. Oh, wait. I'll, I'll be right back. We are in reader entitlement. Um reader the, the funny thing about there's there's well, I think we just have kind of a, a blanket entitlement, but certainly there's an author entitlement and a reader entitlement. This is not just one sided there. And a lot of times author entitlement we actually had, I think we had a whole podcast where we talked about how author entitlement sometimes engendered reader entitlement, but I'll wait for that for Kira to get back. But one of the things about reader entitlement is the idea that I think is astonishing that fandom really seems to encourage is that readers have the right to demand something of fan fiction writers. And that's a really I don't even know how that got started. Um, I mean, where did that idea come from that you could go to a complete stranger doing something for free um, who is sharing their creativity with people and demand something from them and say that you need to do this. You need to write it this way. You need to do it more like this. You need to change this. You need to not use this trope. You need to not have female original characters. Um, It is... I think to me it was like one of the most astonishing factors of fandom, but I was just kind of told to accept it. Like that's just the way it is. Um, You know, at first, because it was weird to me that people were telling me what to do. It was utterly bizarre to me that people were telling me what to do. So, and yet, so that was my first reaction. The first time somebody told me what to write, how to write, what tropes to write, what kinds of things I need to warn for was it was like, it was it was such a strange thing to me that people thought that they could tell me what to do, and they usually did it with the "you're new, you don't you don't understand how it works here" thing, which is a little bit kind of like gaslighting, which is like you you have a kind of an instinctive or a natural response to something, and when you say something about it, when you say I'm uncomfortable with what you're saying to me, they come back and they go, but that's the way it's done. You have to do this. This is fandom protocol. And that kind of thing is a little, it it is kind of a gaslighting mentality that you say, um, I don't want to warn for gay sex. And they go, but you have to, that's what fandom does. Um, No, that's what I'm not fandom. Right. (laughs) Weird thing. that That's kind of what fandom has kind of come to expect that they're able to do, but it doesn't mean it's actually healthy behavior. Yeah, what's so it's it's just so strange to me. There's like this weird disconnect that it's something that people get for free and yet they're so entitled about it. The first time I encountered that, I was like, bitch, I gave you this for free. What are you complaining about? Fuck you and my typos. You got it for free. 
Yeah, it's free. Why are you complaining? The only thing more galling is to put out 100K and then to have someone in their comment within hours of you posting your 100K novel asking you about a sequel. Yeah, sure. I'll just pull another 100K out of my butt and put it on the internet and it'll be perfect. It'll be tight and concise and everything you want it to be. Just because you asked. <laughs> Right. <laughs> How is that not your profile picture everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> it's a turtle shooting a bird. It's perfect. Uh huh. It is. But you know, whether even if if even if it's thirty k, right? That's not the easiest thing to just crank out. I mean, if I was putting out 5k at a time okay but finishing any kind of story of any length like you know once you get over a certain length getting that beast done it, it's work and people just immediately demand more it's so irritating it's so irritating or yeah. getting a list of what they expect to see in the sequel yeah we need we need to know about this this and this it's like oh do you know okay is that what you think really Rocks fall and everybody dies. Yeah, I mean, from start to finish, Unleash Your Demons took what? I want to say six months, seven months? Maybe even eight after you know, with beta and editing. Well, I could probably tell you. Hold on. Hold on. We shall, we shall look at it. I think we might have discussed this before. <laughs> well, you did. I mean, you did take a break from it for a while, but, but the break is part of the process. So, let's see. I started version one on October twenty second. And then, let's see, version two. Eleven twenty-nine. My first beta started in December. And I got all of my stuff completed. Where did that go? I had all three files prepped by May 18th. So from October to May 18th is the the, the work window. On May October 19th to May 18th is the um, work window on um, Unleash Your Demons. And that includes uh, three drafts, plotting, and two betas. So, but yeah, I'll pull out another 100K for you. That's no problem. <laughs> Why not? That won't take long at all. When I'm in a good clip, my fiction writing speed is about 90 words a minute. But that, but that, but that good clip is rarer and rarer by the day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's so, well. Some days I'm in a really, I'm in a really, I'm really in the mood to edit. Um, I, I feel like I kind of had that moment already this year. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I after I spent a good chunk of May editing. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of words. Probably, I would guess, easily a half a million words in editing. And I, I but you know, I, I feel like I just kind of like, like I kind of shot my wad there, um, as it were. Uh, but I, I just, it, it's a lot of work. So the first thing that people ask you is when is there going to be a sequel? And the thing is, there are times, I know people have good intentions. I know they're like trying to let you know how much they love the story, that they want to read whatever else you will write about this with. But the thing is, is a lot of times when people realize that their good intention is that they have, they've given you like six words about how much they liked what you wrote. And like, you know, a hundred words about what they're looking forward to reading next. And it's like, that is so disproportional. It is so out of balance. I mean, I, I edited a couple comments recently where once I took out all of the person's expectations for what was left, all that was left was, I really enjoyed this, you know, and it was a long comment. And everything else was them telling the writer what they would like to see next. All right. And it's like, come on. And it's really, you know, I remember when I first, when I, when I posted Atlantean Legacy, I was super excited about that series and what I was going to do with it. And, but there were so many people who commented with their expectations and a list of what they wanted that I got so turned around and irritated that I couldn't produce the sequel for years. And I, a lot of it is because I knew, based on what they were saying to me, that what my planned sequel wasn't going to meet any of their expectations. Yeah, book five is still a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> like, hold on, I can't go near book five. <laughs> Every time we do, a, a new plot pops out. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with it. Because book five is Sebastian's book, so... Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I just, I find, and, and we are getting, a, I'm not, it's actually, it hasn't been as bad as it could be in terms of reader expectation on the quantum bank. It could be just people are a little bit, maybe, especially people who have come in through rough trade or, um, you know, I've read on rough trade. They know the kind of thing we don't let go through, but you know, there's no telling why it's, it's better or worse or of anything else than, than anything else I've experienced, but still, you know, whether it's on my own site, but like I was talking to in chat the night, somebody I've gotten multiple requests to change my site colors back. So it's not like that's new. It's not, there's nothing particularly new or noteworthy about people asking me to change my site colors. When I changed it to that kind of off white color that I had for a while, people, people were writing me and telling me that they didn't like it as much. That they thought it was too cold, whatever. Um, but now, <laughs> I, I mean, you well, know, now your site's warm as fuck. Yeah. So, <laughs> Well, now it's right now it's broken as fuck, but you know. Um, oh, yeah. Um, but if, but when I'm when I'm when I was when I change it to the dark, right? It's like people telling me what what they want for their. I mean, I have thousands of readers, like and, and not like hundreds of thousands, but there are thousands of them. Um, and if I did what every single one of them wanted, absolutely nobody would be happy because I'd be changing my site colors every five seconds. But anyway. So I had after with the dark color scheme, I have I've had a couple of complaints. I think I, I broke my readers from that when I was on WordPress and I was changing my template like every week. No. <laughs> but I had a couple of complaints. They're just lucky they can find shit. 
Like one person was very specific. Could you please put this back to being black text on a white background? I was like, no. Um, But then the other day I was, um, I was sprinting and I get this very specific request with a person, which, which, which colors would work best for them. And they sent me, you know, the, the hex values that for the HTML color codes that would work best for them to read on. And could I please change my site colors? And I was like, wow wow that is so fucking entitled is i mean you would write somebody and say could you please and it was terrible even if it had been the best color scheme in the world i wouldn't have done it but it was so institutional looking um that it was it was just ridiculous so that was a that was a non-starter so i was like (laughs) claire's offering you her turtle Yeah, the turtle's great. I I would love the turtle, but I do tend to send people the Kira's little old lady. Um, <laughs> you're getting this page because you're a dick, right? So, but I, you know, I actually I changed my site when I was on WordPress. Um, the you know the free WordPress, mm-hmm. I changed my site so much that I, I think people were just relieved to be able to find shit. And now I really don't get complaints at all. Maybe because I know I run on spite. You do run on spite. So that could be it. But it's just, it's such a strange thing to write a complete stranger and tell them to please update their website that they pay for. But even if somebody else is paying for it, even if somebody said, I, even, if, even if there was somebody out there sending me hundreds of dollars to help maintain my, offset my web costs, I would not give them a say in the appearance of my site. I mean, I might give them a say in something like, you know, literally if they were actually paying all my web fees, I might say, do you prefer serif or non-serif fonts? But that's about the extent of it. Um, And if they wanted me to run a certain accessibility plugin, I might do that. But other than other than that, I mean, I'm just not going to give, you know, why do we think that their opinion matters to me? It doesn't. So it's just it's just such a strange thing that people think that they can tell you what to do like that about something as 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 minimal and trivial really as as my site design. Like why would they get it? Why would they think that they need to be involved in that? I don't know. I mean, it's like it's it's a level of enti- of 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 the the entitlement is real, so real. But one of the things that I mentioned, started talking about, and I kind of like had to rein myself in. Um, <laughs> um, it's almost a pun. Um, wow, the chat stopped scrolling. I missed a lot. Is that we were talking about? We we actually did a podcast that um I, I don't remember when it was. I want to say it was probably eighteen months ago. Uh, but it was. A, remember we talked about how sometimes author entitlement engenders reader entitlement. Mm-hmm. Uh, that readers sometimes learn their really shitty behaviors from authors. And sometimes authors are clueless and they engender entitled readers, but sometimes authors were just entitled as fuck. And, and it's not okay no matter what side of the fence it fits. I don't have the right to demand feedback from people. You know, I don't, I don't have the right to hold, you know, I mean, actually I probably have the right to do it, to hold my stories hostage for feedback. I probably have the literal right to do it, but it's really in poor taste. Uh, it's just, it's not something that I, I, when I see authors doing that, holding their stories, when I, when I get to an author note that indicates that there was, you know, hostage keeping of this story, 
I just, I just, even if I'm really enjoying it, I just nope out. I'm like, nope, not going to do it. Not playing this game. What's going on in the chat room now? Um, but authors really, uh, if, if you're somebody who reads a lot of like works in progress and you, and maybe a lot of new authors, you might be hearing from, uh, from readers, let me know what you think or tell me if you see any problems or, and they're kind of engendering that, that mentality of go out and tell authors what you think of their story and make demands or whatever. But a lot of, I would say the, a huge majority of authors don't want to hear that kind of stuff. Don't want what? Don't want to hear that kind of stuff. No, no, I, I don't. I just want to. I just want to see. I liked it, and thank you. <laughs> I mean, I love it when people point out the things that they enjoyed. That's a lot of fun. But it—they're uh, not obligated. They're not obligated to do anything. They're not obligated to do anything. One thing I get asked quite a bit, though, is if I worry about um, having enough readers or losing readers or that my readership will fall off or whatever since I'm on an isolated website, quote unquote. Um, not really. I mean, I probably, I, I, it's probably true that you probably can build a bigger audience if you post on multiple archives or if you post on, um, um, if you like, if you like market your fan fiction on, you know, if you create like a, if you like have a whole marketing plat path, you got, you go through for publicizing your story. But the thing is, I, I don't have that much energy. <laughs> it's just, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to market my fan fiction. Like I'm getting paid for it. Yeah. I have a Twitter. I, the only reason I publicize my fan fiction to Twitter, which is an, if it didn't do it automatically, I wouldn't remember. Uh, if WordPress didn't have hooks into Twitter, I would, there's no fucking way I would remember to do that. But the only reason why I do it is put it there is because of the people who, for some reason, won't follow my site directly. And I get tired of them asking me to please let them know when I update my site. On Twitter. So, yeah, that's why I have a Twitter because they asked for it. I have a Facebook because you asked for it. Um, got rid of Facebook. Well, I haven't gotten rid of it, but I'm never on it. So I don't really care if people want it. Facebook just got too ugly for me. Facebook is really ugly lately. Every time I log in there, there's something terrible being posted about <sighs> that stuff and that political stuff. And I just I can't. I just don't need none of that. It's so unfortunate. Okay, so our next topic is authors who don't warn appropriately. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If warning me about if 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 you put in character death on your on your fic or putting a rape warning on your fic ruins your plot, then you have more problems going on in your story than your inability to be a good human being. There's no reason not to warn. And if not warning for rape ruins your story, then fuck you. So serious. Yeah, truly. Just what? No. No. My chat room wasn't scrolling. I was wondering why no one was saying anything. Yeah, mine stopped scrolling earlier too. I must have scrolled up and at some point to catch something and then not gotten caught up again. Because warning, it, there, there's 
of the major. Now, I under, I totally get it. I, I do get the idea. I've seen warning lists, like the mandatory warning list on some archives is so long that I don't know that I would ever achieve getting the mandatory warnings on my story because I don't know that I could de- properly digest this the, the mandatory warning list. It is so long. I mean, we're talking hundreds of items of mandatory warnings. And, and that's, there is a balance between, you know, something reasonable and, and, and that kind of, that, that level of needing to make sure that everybody understands anything that might possibly upset them. And I understand kind of, but there's generally, I think, a consensus about what the major trigger warnings are. Um, Within a, within a few things, like not everybody would call cannibalism a major trigger warning, but yeah. I pretty much I pretty much think if you've got actual like on screen cannibalism in your story, that you should say something about it. I mean, it it's so it's such an out there thing that it doesn't come up in a lot of fics, but I think if you've got it in your story, well, you know, it should be warned for. Um, well, the fact of the matter is, is that publishers authors don't have to is um, quickly becoming a thing of the past. More and more publishers are warning for content. Indeed. So there will come a day fairly soon where published authors don't have to do it. Won't be a good... It isn't a good argument now, but it will cease to be one completely within, say, the next decade. Um, But the other side of it is, is, um, I'm not going to say it because that would be rude. I'll I'll just keep my mouth shut about that. If a fanfic writer told me that they didn't have to warn because pro authors w- didn't warn, I'd be like, well, bitch, you're not a pro author. Oh. Oh. Just saying. And like you said, a lot of publishers actually do warn these days, so I don't, I, I, that, that idea just, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense that people are latching onto that as the reason why not to do it. It's bullshit. But like I told somebody on that group the other day about people who were talking about warning and all that stuff about warning for slash. And I said, you know, the thing is, is if someone doesn't warn for something that I think they should have warned for, um, if I stumble across a rape scene in a, in a story that hasn't been warned for, I will close that fic and I'll put that author on a list of, writer, of writers that I will never read again in a million years. If even if I have nothing to read, I will go read the fucking phone book. And yeah, I literally still have a phone book in my house. Yeah, I'm that old lady. I have a phone book. Now, see, like I find um, personally find partner betrayal very upsetting, but I could understand why it is not like a major trigger warning for like the entire planet. So I deal with the fact that sometimes I stumble across partner betrayal in a story, and it isn't in any of the tags, and I just kind of go, Ugh. and I then you know nope out of the story, and and I actually I will say that this is not a case of it's not like. Um, I, the the one time I, sometimes it's like, it, it's fine, but there was like this one case of where, um, like the main character was cheating on his, his, his partner and granted he was cheating on with the part, his partner with the end, you know, it was, it was, it was Tony who's my unicorn and he's cheating on his, his romantic partner with the end, the end game pairing because he's cheating on his romantic partner to be with Gibbs but it, I found it so distasteful and such puts Tony in such a bad light as a character that I decided not to read that author again not because they failed to warn for partner betrayal but because I found their character development of Tony to be distasteful I don't blame you I there's nothing um uh romantic about cheating there's nothing sexy about cheating um 
and um, it says something a lot about your character that you would do it. Mm-hmm. A lot. Um, and I just, I don't want to be around people like that. Betrayal. Um, I guess it depends on the situation and the fandom and the characters. I mean, obviously adultery is a betrayal. Um, I would say in Harry Potter that, um, uh, say for instance, and this is not something that I would write nor would I want to read it, but say for instance that Harry was being potioned into a relationship with Jenny and Ron knew it. I was okay with it and didn't say anything. I kind of expect that because he's a Weasley, right? And, and and Jenny's his family and she comes first. But if Hermione knew it and didn't tell Harry, I would consider that a, a really deep, ugly betrayal. Yeah. Yes, Ron's betraying him too, but Ron in that situation is putting his sister first, family first. It's ugly. It's deep bone ugly. But for Hermione to do it too is like an immense betrayal. Because I think she owes Harry her loyalty over the Weasleys. I agree. If she was being potioned too, she probably wouldn't know he was being potioned. They wouldn't let her know he was being potioned if they were potioning her too. Because she's not a dumbass. She'd figure out she was being potioned as well. Or she'd very least test herself to make sure she wasn't being potioned. Then she'd find out she was being potioned. Now, if she ran and defended for herself and left Harry in that situation, then yes, it would be it would still be a betrayal. But in this case, it's not a, like a fail to warn. In either of our examples, a fail to warn. For e- even though it's a, a topic we find upsetting, it's not a fail to warn that's the issue. It's how the character's developed. So, because it, it says something really ugly about Hermione that she would do that. And you, you if, if, if Hermione's your, especially if you see a character in a really positive way, to see them portrayed really negatively can be very upsetting. So, I, you know, Ron fans should definitely never read my work. Right, right, definitely. But you make it really clear in your in your author notes I that hate Weasleys. Yeah, <laughs> Weasleys are not having a good time in your story. So, um, except maybe Charlie. <laughs> yeah, always Charlie. <laughs> Charlie can have a good time. Nobody else. And well, Bill, you know, Bill's back to Vila, so he's probably doing okay too. <laughs> yeah, but so when it comes to when it comes to warnings, there's I think most people understand. At least you should be able to understand what topics really freak people out, and what topics people find really upsetting. And and if and if Ao3, which is super liberal about what they allow you to put up on their site says that you should be warning for major character death, um, rape, underage, and rape, murder, graphic graphic violence, not murder, graphic violence. If they're saying that you should be warning for those things, you should be like paying attention to that. And, and most people have think you should be, you know, warning for things like incest as well. So, or, or bestiality. I mean, people, those are some pretty common ones. The people are like, yeah, yeah, you should be that. That's a that's a pretty typical trigger. People people should know going in. They should be able to know going into a story if someone's going to be fucking a dog. I mean, it just should. Do we really need to have that conversation? 
Do we need to explain why that people might feel that way? Apparently we do. People don't think that, you know, if, if the dog's not a surprise, you're not going to be surprised by the end relationship. You know, although to be fair, to be fair, Teen Wolf fandom, when you tag it for Derek original dog character, I get it. That's about as far as we need to take that discussion. <laughs> and screw you for writing Derek in an original dog character. Jesus. <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, come on. It's like, really? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I got it. You didn't need to. You, you, you kind of tagging it for bestiality on top of Derek slash original dog character. It is doing double duty and I appreciate it. Yes, I actually, I think, I think necrophilia should, should be, should be kind of like a, most people are not going to be down for reading that. If you figure most people are not going to want to read this or might find it, your average person might find it upsetting. Why aren't you warning for it? If you have to hide it in your fic to make people read, then you know damn well you should be warning for it. Yes. If you say, oh, I can't put that in my tags, no one will read it. And the only thing I can think of that's uglier than I didn't warn for rape because it would ruin the surprise is not warning for rape because it was happening to a guy. So. Dude. That is that to me is worse slightly, you know. I I I mean, I don't agree that your plot if your plot hinges on on the rape, I don't agree that your plot if your if your plot is that impacted by needing to surprise people with rape, you don't have much of a plot. But to not disclose to not tag something as rape because rape doesn't happen to men is just so bone deep ugly that I'm actually kind of glad that, you know, I found that out about you so that I can make sure I never, I put you on my do not read out of spite list and be sure to let people close to me know what a fucking fool you are. Ew. No, it's not okay. If are you raped. right? It is not okay. If someone's raped with, cause, cause you don't like the character. That's just disgusting. What an asshole. You are being an asshole. And that's the list, right? The, the list is like the assholery 11. Speaking of assholery, our next topic is, um, we, and we touched on this briefly earlier uh, in, in character trends, um, is mistaking um, assholery and abuse for strength. And there's a fine mm. line between um, being a strong character and being an abusive asshole to the people around you. Mm. And I think people actually cross that line a lot in reality, um, and it bleeds through into their fiction. And I think Gibbs is an excellent example of someone who's who's touted as um, strong in canon, but is actually corrupt and quite abusive. Yes, I agree. And you gotta get you gotta catch him early on in the seasons to make him um, any kind of person that you want to deal with as a character. And in the same, in a similar vein, is a lot of times people want to make a character a badass. What they mean is they're making the character an asshole, and less, <laughs> which isn't the same thing as a badass, even if the geography is close together, right? And I see this particularly when people are trying to write a strong female character, and I hate that term because if you, if you know, you should just be able to write a woman who's who's a badass character without having to, um her awful and that but that's why the happening is when i see somebody write strong female character if i see especially when i see that tag for that i'm pretty sure i'm about to read like 
like an unempathetic, uh, unempathetic bitch that I absolutely cannot relate to. Well, yeah, it it does imply that if they're putting strong female character, um, that that all other females are weak, and that, right. but, but this is a strong one. You can um, you can depend on that. But a lot of times, what they mean by um, strong female character is woman who acts like an abusive man. Wow. <laughs> That's the way I read it. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm like sitting there going, is that what, so this is what this, that, okay. But it's true though. I mean, it's like nail head. Did you say male head? Yeah. Nail head. You oh, nail, head. nail head. I said male head. I was like, I'm trying to figure out what that means. I think this is a, this is a turn of phrase that I just haven't gotten yet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm the misogynist. Get it right, Claire. Apparently. I don't know what I am. I'm sure someone will tell you. <laughs> You're Bob. Yes, I am Bob. Thank you. I'm the head Bob, which sounds terrible, but there you go. And great at the same time. What was next on our list? Let's power through our list. Um, um Angst Fest. Um, I like, you know, I like characters to go through it as much as the next. I don't tend to write it, but I will read it. But you need to give me some resolution, and there needs to me to be a light at the end of the tunnel. That's more than, like, 50 words. Yeah, you know. I can't handle 200k of misery and then 50 words of happily ever after. And then it, and then it was all better. It was like, uh... Really? Really? Is that what we're, is that what we're going to do? <laughs> yeah, Aixas are difficult for me, and they seem to be... They kind of go in cycles, especially in certain fandoms. Like, some fandoms really seem to kind of engender the angst fest. And just unremitting angst. Like, there's no humor in there. There's nothing to break it up. There's just... It's just... It's just, you know, beat you, beat you over the head with angst and often for a really long time. And then there's not even falling action. It's just the denouement, right? It's just, and they lived happily ever after. It's like, all right. <laughs> okay. Um, well, now that we and, know. And then you're just kind of like, like, you just fall off a cliff. Like, there's just no... And I, and I think I'm left feeling icky is the problem. That That's my issue with it is I'm left feeling icky. And I don't read to be left feeling unsettled and like I, I you know, and like I want to eat a pint of ice cream. I mean, if fan fiction is driving me to have a compulsive eating problem, um, I my fan fiction is not serving its purpose. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> my fan fiction is not supposed to be encouraging. Fan fiction is kind of like a refuge for me. I expect right. to be entertained and made to be feel better, you know, and at some, I mean, I, I, in a real, oftentimes, especially in the kind of fandoms I read in, oftentimes a really good plot is going to have some angst and I, some angst features in it, right? Some, there's going to be some angsty moments. The characters are going to go through some shit. They're going to have some stuff to deal with. And, and that's fine. I have, I, that's perfect. I mean, I want that. I want a rich, detailed plot with people on a journey but what i don't want is you know and usually because these angst fests also tend to feature wump fest and i am not down for the wump fest um and if not the wump fest then it's the crying fest and it's like they've endured so much physically that that in reality they would be dead right 
Right. Either from shock or blood loss or both. Both. There was actually, there was one story I actually kind of enjoyed, even though it got to the point that like what Tony was going through physically was so far beyond possible that it it, it was like, come on, come on. This is, it, it got to the point that it was almost like crack. It was so absurd that he had endured <laughs> that much physically. I was like, mm-hmm, okay. I couldn't even take it seriously. At that point, I think you don't even have to. It's just like, okay. <laughs> it's like, all right. So, um, so there's that. And then um, we talked about, so Angst Fest. And then, oh, this kind of feeds in the next one. Kind of feeds into the some of the stuff we were talking about earlier. Because it's kind of a symptom of how some of these other things came to be. Which, um, the next thing on our list was the big name fan syndrome kind of thing. Um, you get somebody popular in a fandom who does something. And that resonates out into the fandom. And then, then a whole bunch of people are doing it. I think that the, 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 the slave universe in... Um, the Sentinel fandom is a really excellent example of that, that GDP thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and how it kind of manifested and grew really, really fast. And I'm like, that one day there was like one slave fic. The next day there were a hundred. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. <laughs> boom. And the ABO is another one. You know, it, it started out in a kink um, meme, right? For Supernatural. Uh, somebody wanted Dean to get pregnant, I think, is how the whole thing came about. And then it bloomed. And then it took over. And then there was like that. And there was that Pon Far thing in Stargate. Stargate? Yeah, there was this Pon Far thing that started. John Far, it was called. And it basically, um, uh, I never read any of it, but there was a, there was a whole bunch of those fix where people would just spontaneously go into heat. And it wasn't necessarily ABO. It was it was something else. Wow. Okay. But then you know we have good tropes like the little black dress and the sentinel, you know, infusions and and soulmates and you know just really you know fun things and soul marks and stuff like that. But then with that comes stuff like the ABO and slavery and um, the extremely abusive. BDSM and, <laughs> and, the, and the super shopping trip in Harry Potter because we're all convinced Harry Potter needs all the things. <laughs> right. <laughs> we love that particular trope. But but again, but the thing is people take it to this is that that doubling down or the one-upping thing. Mm-hmm. If someone writes a really satisfying Harry gets to go and get all the things kind of thing and the next thing you know somebody's writing, you know, scenes three times as long where Harry literally gets all the things and you're kind of 25 bored. pairs of black pants. Yeah, and you're Did bored. He didn't, he didn't really need 25 pairs of black pants, but he bought them anyway. Yeah, and then you're bored out of your mind. Then you got an author who's, you know, publishing their, because they worked on it. They figured out a class schedule and they want you to know it. Yeah. <laughs> they put that shit right in the middle of their fic. <laughs> I think, I think that there's an aspect of that. People wanting to carve off. Uh, sometimes people are just inspired by what somebody else wrote and they have, they want to do their own take on it. And I think being inspired is great. Um, other times I think what people are doing is they're trying to, um, 
I don't know, carve off their piece of the popularity around that thing by doing it bigger, bigger, badder, you know, more intense or something. And it's just like, mm, no. The only um, thing I've never seen, actually, is a really good, satisfying trip to the stationery store. Because as someone who really enjoys notebooks and paper and pen, I would I would like that. <laughs> I would enjoy that. But I've never. It's always clothes. I've seen I've seen some in a trunk. The, yeah, the problem is that the problem is sometimes that I I think that it might be there because sometimes it's just the shopping excursion is so comprehensive that you just by the time you get partway through the clothes you're ready to skip until they're done shopping and so, <laughs> and so you miss the, the parchment burst <laughs> yep. can we please start at the station i store? actually did have him pick up a catalog in um in a story that i'm writing uh in uh in the the pocket guardian he um he gets a catalog for the um for the alley so he can shop from the comfort of Hogwarts. Because <laughs> I, too, want him to have all the things. But I did not want to write a big, giant shopping trip. <laughs> didn't want to write all the things. So there. Um, but the whole thing, I mean, the, the thing is, when people, we see this, the whole idea of um, fandom clicks, whether it's whether it's an actual BNF or just the mentality around it. Um, it happens everywhere. Uh, there were some very destructive things happen in fandom. I don't want to even get into it because it would be a whole, you guys know what I'm talking about of like clicks that kind of dogpiled on people at often at the author's behest. Um, and, but you I mean, you see that in, 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 in social media too. You see that kind of mentality. It's like people are, people are latched on and they're, they're fans of their thing. And it doesn't matter whether the person's an actual BNF, right? It, Although I think that BNF is kind of a, an artificial construct. I think it's probably more a case of like, if there's a couple dozen people willing to go dogpile on something for you, you might have some, um, um, there might be some issue there, but people, and pe what, what happens, people will, they'll go and they'll try to bully somebody like Nora Roberts on behalf of a new writer, which oh, is for just fuck's sake. That was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. This podcast ends abruptly because we lost the last five minutes of recording. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you.